Hello, and welcome to the Mirror Stage Podcast. Before we begin, we'd like to acknowledge that we're on the traditional land of the first people of Seattle, the Duwamish people, past and present, and honor with gratitude the land itself and the Duwamish tribe. Hello, and welcome to the Mirror Stage Podcast. My name is Ty, and my pronouns are he, him. And just to give you a quick update with what's been going on with Mirror Stage, we have decided to cancel our activism brunch that was originally scheduled for September 9th. However, we're still very excited to present Expand Upon Healthcare, which will be October 21st through the 22nd at 18th and Union in the Central District. Uh, visit our website, mirrorstage.org, to check out tickets and how you can get involved with any future Mirror Stage happenings. So today, listeners, as always, we have a very special treat for you. In order to get us ready for Expand Upon Healthcare and continue this conversation that we've been having around health and our rights when it comes to that, we're going to present one of the community forums that we held during the run of Squirrel Plays. This community forum is on reproductive justice and maternal health and will be with Rainier Valley Community Clinic, who may sound familiar from our previous interview with Tara Lawal and Jade Jost, who will be joining Kiki here today alongside Debbie Mudliar. So, without further ado, here's our community forum on reproductive justice and maternal health with Rainier Valley Community Clinic. Hi, everyone. I am Kiki Dominguez. My pronouns are they, them. I am the Associate Artistic Director of Mirror Stage. And welcome, everybody, to our community forums. I would like to start by offering a land acknowledgement. So we here at 12th Ave Arts are on the Duwamish territory, and we honor their elders, past, present, and emerging. And there's always an opportunity for you to learn more about the land that you are on by visiting native-land.ca. So we are here with a few representatives from the Rainier Valley Community Clinic for our panel on reproductive justice and maternal health. So we're going to start. We're going to go down the line. I'll give everyone an opportunity to say your name, your pronouns, and what it is you do at the clinic. Hello, my name is Jade Jost. Uh, My pronouns are she, her, or they, them. And I am the community outreach coordinator at Rainier Valley Birth and Health Center, or Rainier Valley Midwives. Hi, I am Debbie Mudlier, and I am a full-spectrum birth doula um, and one of Rainier Valley Midwives. Um, doulas. Aloha, I'm Tarla Wall. I'm the executive director and co-founder of the Rainier Valley Midwives slash Rainier Valley Community Clinic slash Rainier Valley Birth and Health Center. So we have a lot of names just like our pronouns, she, her. (laughs) Wonderful. Well, thank you all so much for joining. So we chatted a little bit and we want to know about the mission of Rainier Valley Community Clinic's or the birthing center, is it all one mission, one umbrella mission, and then different things? Yeah, so can you tell us a little bit more about uh, the mission and the community that you serve? Yeah, I can start with that. Um, So our mission is to help improve um, infant and mother birthing person outcomes, health outcomes in uh, South Seattle originally, um, South King County, um, and specifically for BIPOC families as well. So we aim to essentially help those health outcomes from prenatal to menopause, essentially, is uh, the frame of, of folks that we work with. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to add to that. I guess we envision this world where you can, one, be heard 
and seen and listened to by your health provider. And it started because so many of us haven't. And there's been so much trauma in our community and trying to figure out a way for people to really know that they they matter and that their health matters and that it's okay for them to learn and be empowered to ask more questions, say yes, and say no when you want to say no. And um, I want to be able to have every family in our area know that they have options with who they want to see as their provider, where they want to give birth, how they want to raise their children, and how they want to grow into becoming a parent. Um, and it didn't start off that way. This is something that has evolved and evolved over and over um, and keeps like emerging of who we want to be and how we want to show up for our community, especially as healthcare providers. Um, so our mission is constantly growing and changing. And um, as we add more people to our team and as we see more gaps and problems in our system, we're here to, to address them head on. So I have a follow-up to that because you were mentioning some gaps in the system or some issues. And I want to know if anyone wanted to speak to some of those that are coming up for you right now that you can think of as, as we're here tonight. We need more access to better health care, and we need to know where does it exist, who's going to listen to us, who actually cares about our bodies, and where am I going to go where I'm not feeling shame or guilt or judged by my doctor when they make me go on a scale or they make me, you know, ask me what did I eat for dinner or breakfast. Like, I want to be able to, to be me, to be who I am, my authentic self and still be met with help when I need help. You know, so many of us, uh, you know, BIPOC people have systemic trauma. There's systemic racism, generational trauma. There's just so much that we bring with us when we go to the doctor's office. And when you go there and you're judged just by the way you look or assuming that we don't speak English or, coming in there like, oh, they must be on Medicaid, you know, and Medicaid doesn't pay much, so let's just hurry through. We need to see more people. These rushed visits, and you know you don't matter, that's a problem. That's a huge gap in our system. And um, as midwives, we see it with pregnant people. To me, pregnant people are our most vulnerable. There's two bodies right there. There's two bodies that we have to care for and here we are just ignoring them they don't matter we're they're here we're they're just a number you're a baby factory and we just we're seeing so many people today just come on in you know and just getting passed through and so what can we do to really slow down and see the person in front of us you know, and so access to good health care is where it's really at. And then what does good health care look like? You know, and defining that, or in our case, we reimagined it completely. You know, we want to know how can we show up for people as their whole self. It's not just a pregnant person 
um, you know, nobody has a pregnancy in a vacuum. You are like, you have a partner, you have other children, you have pets, you have grandparents, you have, you know, uncles, aunties, cousins, the neighbor kids, the teachers, everybody influences one pregnant person. And right now, um, I'm just going to jump right in. <laughs> like, black women are dying at higher rates than white women. Black babies are dying three to four times more than white babies. And that's, that's black families. The indigenous families are dying at even higher rates. Our Pacific Islander families are dying. And for what? It's because they're too afraid to come to care. They're too afraid to get judged. They're too afraid that somebody's gonna tell me Tara, you're eating too much rice. Tara, you're, you're drinking too much soda. You're doing this. You're doing that. You're doing something wrong. You're doing something wrong. It's your fault that your babies are going to die. Or there's just a lot of fear as well. When you hear what they're trying to tell you and you don't understand exactly like what that means or what this appointment is for, and when it's shrouded with so much fear, you're going to do anything that your provider says um, because you want the best for yourself and for your baby, but it's not seen that way. And that's probably what it is, is trying to um, advocate for yourself and know your rights. Well, could I add another question for you then about more about like being a birthing doula and what that means for people who don't know what that means at all or how you help others advocate for themselves throughout the process? Sure. Um, so as a birth doula, that's really just about educating and offering um, comfort and a different level of support, like a one-on-one -on -one for their family and for the birthing person. So I'm not going to be doing like medical tests or um, I'm going to be explaining them and I can be with them, but it's more, it's just the really fun stuff. It's... Um, it's being able to teach different coping mechanisms and empower them to learn like what they can do with their bodies and um, honoring them wherever they're at. And it's a lot of holding space. It's a lot of listening to their stories and getting to know who they are and what, like if, if they could have any kind of birth or any kind of dream, like what they envisioned their family to be like. And it's just helping them to achieve that and then kind of going with the flow and understanding that birth is really amazing and fun, but also um, things really do happen where we need hospitals and um, being able to be a bridge um, for to get like the, the access that they need and to being a bridge for like with their providers and um, resources that are out there. I like to say that the, the doula is from the waist up so they deal with the heart and with the belly and with the head, right? And the mind and the spirit. Like the doula is there for every single contraction. They are there to, to guide the mom, keep them centered, keep them, you know, present in their bodies. And sometimes you got to let them go and not be present in their bodies and be there when they're ready to come back into their, you know, bring their bodies back into their bodies. And then the midwife is the waist down. <laughs> so that's where, you know, gynecology happens. We check people, you know, and we deliver the baby. It's the medical aspect of, of the pregnancy and, and the delivery. And so, um, this is one of the most unique places where 
at Rainier Valley Midwives, we have what's called the birth bundle, where the midwife and the client actually decide, what do we want to do here? Like, what kind of care do we want? Um, and who do we want as part of our bundle? And so we realized, you know, King County, uh, Best Stars for Kids, asked us a question. They said, if you could do one thing that was innovative, that would actually um, help the whole community, think of a domino. Like, there's that one little domino, and if you were to knock it down, what would, it, what would you do that would affect the whole system? And we said, why don't we even the playing field? Why don't we give our families, our BIPOC families, low-income families, rural families, the same thing that our wealthier families who have lots of resources have? which is a doula. And here in Seattle, I don't know if you know, it's a good business. They make between $1,500 to $2,000 a birth. They're making more than midwives, let me just tell you this. And so, um, you know, and they come and do postpartum visits where they pay $40, $50 an hour. And so families are putting up $2,000, $3,000, $5,000 to have people come in, professionals come in and be their labor coaches and be there for them and they pay them to help them, which is why they have good outcomes. So if you look at the outcomes, people who birth with a, a smiley helping person, <laughs> whether they're trained or not, will have good outcomes. But then you give them a trained professional they have amazing outcomes, which is why doulas are so important. Um, and so we said, why don't we give everybody a doula? Everybody deserves a doula. What if we also give them lactation support and teach them how to feed their baby before they even have them and feed them after? And, you know, some people will chest feed, breastfeed, bottle feed, but, you know, baby, you know, <laughs> babies will really, they're hard. I don't know if you're any of you are parents here, but it's hard to feed a baby. And it's hard to feed a baby when you've just recovered from having a baby and being pregnant for 10 months. It's hard and it's exhausting. And so, so many families who are well resourced can pay for that help. And so we said, what if we provided all of those services at no cost to our families? And so that's what we did. It's called the birth bundle where everyone can have a choice. You and your midwife will decide, where do I want to give birth? And we say, you don't have to decide today, but <laughs> you can have your baby at the hospital. And we have partnerships with some really amazing practices in the hospital or you can have your baby at home, which we love home birth. <laughs> or there's the middle. Everybody's like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to have my baby in my bed bedroom. <laughs> but what about the birth center? And so we give them all the options. You could deliver where you want to, where you feel safest, and where, you know, it's most appropriate for you. And then we say, what if, what if we actually give you help along the way? And, and so having doulas, and so we're one of you know, the first organizations that actually work with doulas that are integrated in the system. Many times families hire their own doulas and the doulas are the advocate for the for the family, for the pregnant person. And 
they come up with their birth plan and they decide, you know, what are we going to do when we get to hospital? Are we going to have an epidural? Are we, what's our safe word? What's, you know, what's going to happen? And they create this birth plan with their bag. And then you come in and you just, you stay in the corner. You, the doulas all know, like, I, it's not my job to go and talk to the doctor. It's not my job to, like, intervene with the nurses. But we say, what if it is? What if we're part of a team? We all want safe and healthy outcomes, so let's work together. So when we created the birth bundle, there's two things we wanted to study. We want to study what is the relationship between all these providers, between a, a midwife and a doctor, an OB, uh, a midwife and the doula, the midwife and the lactation, midwife and now we have a social worker. That just, we need mental health support. That was something that just rose from, from the pandemic. We are so isolated, and this is so hard when you're pregnant. So how do we actually work together as a team? What are ways that we can train together, help each other? How can we um, meet weekly at rounds and get to know each other? Um, Debbie has the cell phone for our midwives. When, when somebody goes into labor, they talk. They're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board. I'm going to go. I'll go at midnight. And Brooke's like, I'll go at five. <laughs> you know, and so, and they, they talk to each other. We're part of a team. And so when we show up for each other, like they have food for Debbie at the birth center. And they're like, it's time for you to go take a nap. Like we know you've been up all night with this family. You take a rest. We'll you know, we got you. And I think it gives an added measure of comfort for um, our birthing families as well. It's just another layer of safety and creating that container where they get to choose and they get to feel um, that we've got your back. And it's like that with all of the providers. You're not just referred to a lactation counselor. The lactation counselor is part of our team. They show up to rounds. They actually meet the family during pre, you know, prenatal visits, and they say, "What's your feeding plan? You know, when do you have to go back to work? Do you want to pump? Do you want to do bottles? Do you want your partner to learn how to feed? You know." And we actually talk about those things before the baby comes and before the crazy hits. You know, and so. Um, this is something that's been really powerful is to watch the relationship of all the providers that are working together. And we know that if, you know, now that, because it goes with part two, if our providers can work together, can we have better outcomes? And that's, that's really the kicker is that we know midwifery care works because we spend more time with our families because our families are low risk, healthy, pregnant people to begin with. So we have naturally better outcomes. But if you were to compare apples to apples and look at low risk, healthy families in the hospital, what are their outcomes? They're still dying three to four times more likely than white people. And what are we doing here with midwifery care? we're shutting that down. That's what's happening. We are actually addressing the problems at the root. There, we're addressing the this, this systemic stress that people are under. We're addressing the racism that's under, you know, and are we perfect? No. Is this hard? It's the hardest work I've ever done in my entire life. 
And I was a door-to-door salesperson. And (laughs) this is way harder. And it's because it's heart work. We are doing actual work that matters and saves lives. Thank you. And then I was going to say, Jade, now I have a question for you, just like as the community outreach person. Like, these are a lot of different ideas that are happening, big changes that are being made, different opportunities. What is your role in all of this? How do you get the message out to the community who doesn't know about these services or who are interested in learning more about maternal wellness in general? Yeah, um, so I am out in the community a lot. I try to go to as many events as possible, like festivals, fairs, community stuff within King County, um, even Tacoma. And um, so that's mainly how I like to reach out directly for the community. Um, You know, I do all the social media and all of that um, as well. Um, But also, like, as a second job I have, I organize with this organization called Gabriela, and it's a Filipino feminist organization um grassroots and through that too i try to find moms and families um so just from my community organizing work too i try to bring in those people from that as well um but yeah i mean anytime i see like a pregnant person i'm always like what's their are they planning on having like a hospital birth or do they want like a natural birth they want to out you know, out of hospital home birth, like I'm always asking that, or if I hear about a friend or somebody that is, um, you know, pl- like trying for a baby or something, I'm just like, let me get you because <laughs> I can plug you into so many services, so many things. Um, so just being out in the community really is like mainly why, like how I do my community outreach. Um, and that's like probably more successful, but also partnerships with other orgs. Um, that's like our main thing to get clients. Um, so like Pacific Island Health Board is like one of them, Um, CHPW, um, our insurance partners, um, Quilted Health, just partnering with other organizations because we also want to uplift one another and help each other out in this, you know, equal relationship as opposed to competing, like all the other midwifery services out there. um, We want to like work together and help each other. So instead of trying to fight for our clients and fight for getting funding, or this or that, like building the partnership with other organizations is like the best way to really be in community with each other and actually get like clients that trust us. Yes, that's just amazing. Um, we all have side gigs here and, and it's all in the community. Like the Pacific Islander Health Board is just is, you know, working with all the health boards and trying to be a place that we can partner and help each other and um, other midwifery practices that send um, folks to us for lactation consultants. Um, and it's just it's there's this this idea that if if you start to have this scarcity mindset like oh there's Seattle's flooded with midwives Seattle has thousands of doulas and we were here when doulas or I started off as a doula 15 years ago when there were only a handful of doulas and now there's literally thousands and and there's so many more midwives and um, nurse midwives and you start to get into this mindset of like, oh, like how am I going to survive? And you get into this scarcity mindset or even as nonprofits where it's like sometimes we're pit against each other for funding and try to find what, where can we get funding or, oh, now it's just between us and them. But we have to have we have to shift our mindset and have 
the reality that abundance breeds abundance, that there is, there's plenty of pregnant people to go around. There are plenty of families having babies and not every family is for every midwife. Like it's not for every doula. Tara was just saying about like the abundance and really what it is with Rainier Valley midwives that I've noticed the most um, is that there's no ego. It's always like, what's the best outcome for these birthing people that we're serving. And when you approach it with such a humbleness and it's kind of a sacredness of this work, um, it makes it a lot easier to take out all of that red tape and all of that fear. Okay, so I wanna give everyone a moment to think about this question. So everyone's coming from a different role within the organization. And so I'm curious on what is a question or even a few different questions you can think of that are like the top question you get either from people in the community who are curious or from new parents or soon to be parents or people considering just all around what comes to mind when you think of, oh, this is a question I get a lot. And then can you kind of speak to it for our viewers? So one of the questions that I get a lot from other people that are not even pregnant is like, is this safe? Is it safe for you to have a midwife and not be in a hospital with a doctor? Like, are you gonna die? Um, and that's just the lack of understanding of like what you're capable of in your body and also what your choices and options are. And it's, I guess that would be like a fear bred thing, like as a society, um, that idea that you have to go into the hospital. And also that social media as well. And just the way that it's portrayed and like labor is portrayed in general. Yeah, I get, since I'm on like the community facing side of things, I do get a lot of questions. Um, and the main one is what's the difference between a midwife and a doula? Um, and Tara kind of spoke to it, which is, you know, the, the doula does like the waist up and then the midwife does waist down. Um, and I've said it like that as well, like, oh yeah, they're more on the med medical side for midwives and the doulas, um, you know, are more of like a coach. And then another question that I get is just like, what, you don't do epidurals then? Or like something like that. <laughs> I'm just like, no, actually this is like, we don't have that, it's like more of a hospital birth and I have to go into explaining, um, yeah, like just kind of like what you were talking about, like how it is safe um, for people to have babies outside of the hospital. And I always have to you know, reiterate to people that this is what human nature has been doing for since the dawn of time. So um, yeah, there's a lot of that that I have to address, like when I'm out in the festivals, community and all that. But, and it's all innocent, lighthearted questions because I had those questions too at one point. So, yeah. My favorite question is from one of our very first client that walked into the Speedy Mart where we started at an old Speedy Mart and we were literally painting. There was stuff all over the place and she just was knocking on the door and 38 weeks pregnant and she walks in her name you know I she was just like are you guys finally open and I go yes and she goes I've I've been watching the sign I live right up the do up, right up the street right behind the speedy mart and I've been watching for you and I said what how 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 pregnant are you <laughs> she's like 38 weeks this is my sixth baby and do you deliver at home? And I'm like, yeah, we sure do have a seat. And so we just like, we just talked and I told her the spiel, paint and everything. And she started pinching herself. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she goes, is this for real? And that's my favorite question. 
when they're like, wait, this is my sixth baby. And I've had a horrible experience at the hospital for all five of them. Is this for real? And her birth was magical. And I said, it was for real. And she literally caught her own baby and had the most experience, most amazing experience um, that you could have. And I'll tell you, she actually turned around and I was pregnant and she came to my birth and she was there with me. And it's for real. Like this sense of community that we're building and this sense of power and empowering each other to help one another, it's, it's real. And just last week, we had a couple teen moms come in to care. And um, the first one was 12 weeks pregnant and had not seen a doctor yet. She peed on the stick at her doctor's office, but they can't get her in until mid-May, mid so, so another three weeks. So she wasn't going to be seen for 16 weeks. And I said, is that for real? Like, that's crazy. But her auntie said, I know midwives, and just came to our walk-in hour and brought her in and an hour later another teen person came in and was like I don't know what to do I don't know where to go and she was with her boyfriend and they're like is this for real like we can have our baby here and our family is going to be welcomed here and I'm like this is for real and we're going to take care of you and you're not alone in this and that's something that I really want people to know is that we really build a sense of community and help where you're not alone. And it's already hard enough to be a parent, but to be able to find people that you can trust and that you can build real relationships with is pretty powerful. And I love when like six-year-olds and seven-year-olds come up and are like, you were at my birth. <laughs> it's just so cool. <laughs> If you're enjoying this podcast and would like to support it and other Mirror Stage programming, you can make a tax-deductible donation via our website, mirrorstage.org, or text Play It Smart to 206-888-6477. That's 206-888-MIRR. Thank you. Well, and I'm curious to you now on, um, so talking a little bit more about reproductive rights, and so we often use the language about choice, but can you talk a little bit more about how a person's differing identities can impact their access to choice and reproductive services? Uh, well, I think at least just from the people that I've encountered that I've brought in, when it comes to like BIPOC people that are learning about our stuff for the first time, I think not knowing you have these choices is basically not having a choice. And the thing about midwifery care is, you know, a lot of people don't know about it especially when you meet with our midwives and our um, even nurse midwives and all that. There's just so many more options that they bring you for care that you wouldn't even get at like a doctor's office. Um, and so when it comes to choices, like you're actually being told all the other choices that you don't have, like where we try to be culturally relevant, um, not so much, you know, pushing for medication, but herbal, not like herbal natural remedies and stuff like that. And, you know, other things that don't, that the medical industrial complex tries to force upon us. And so, yeah, with the choices, uh, we, I feel like we certainly at least give them all the options, give everybody the options to choose from. And yeah, that's kind of, I can speak to that. 
I think I like how you said that too. It's like you give them all the options and then they can choose from that. And they also get all of the the benefits um, of having multiple touches, I guess, of different, like um, a grief doula or, um, you know, speaking to the midwife. And there's just a lot of options there. You know, with freedom comes a lot of responsibility. So, you know, I love that we give informed decision making and we say we're going to meet people where they're at. It is hard. It is hard as a provider, as you know, when you're medically responsible for somebody and they choose things that it's, it's like, mm, okay, I would not choose that, but this is your choice. Like, we have to say, okay, this is your choice and we're going to make it safe for you. That's something completely different, right? Like, when you're saying, these are all the options, you're picking one of the hardest options. But we will figure out a way to make it safe and to keep you and your baby safe. And and then we have to do that. We have to follow through. And it is not easy. And um, doing community care where people don't have resources to make better or having the option to have better choices and you have to choose things that are just difficult, it's going to be difficult then we have to be able to figure out how to support that. So, you know, you're asking, uh, you're asking kind of a loaded question, like how do we help people with choice? And we give it to them. They have freedom. And it's, it's a huge responsibility on us and on them. And sometimes we even have to make them write down, this is the choice that I'm deciding. This is the reason why. My midwife said... This can happen. These are the risks. These are these are the benefits. And I choose these risks. I release them from this. This is my choice. And that is pretty empowering and scary as F. Like it is. And that's that's the world that we're that that's what we're saying when we say, can we give people freedom and choice? And we can. Yes, we sure can. And it sure is hard. Yeah. Thank you for that. And now I'm curious on reproductive rights and reproductive matters in general as we talk about these high mortality rates of people of BIPOC community and all these different issues that are popping up in different communities. Can you speak a little bit more on why reproductive matters um, are impacting the community as a whole? Why should the community as a whole be concerned? Um, I mean, it, it deals directly exactly with like what midwifery care is, especially in you know light of all of the like reproductive rights being stripped from us and everything. I mean, it's the fabric of what midwifery care is about, which is yeah, having the autonomy. And so yeah, seeing like recent bills being passed and things being uh, repealed, it's like we're moving backwards, and it does make me wonder about yeah, the future of midwifery care for here we are trying to be autonomous, giving people autonomy. Um, and then something as much as, you know, decide, you know, pro being pro-choice um, is now being repealed. It's like, what does that mean now? Like, what are we going to be dealing with later on? Because um, it may not seem relevant, you know, it may not seem relevant that, you know, abortion rights are being taken away, but it is so relevant and is so um, jarring to me. And yeah, it's certainly been uh, a topic of discussion, like heavily in the community. Um, and it's very relevant. 
like I said, freedom, with freedom comes responsibility. And who is going to be responsible in the end? And how are we going to help and support people? And as, you know, as midwives, we are constantly fighting. It's all we do. We are activists and we fight for what's right. And, and that's where it comes down to is, do you want to be on the right side of, of history or not? And where do you stand? And you take a stand and you do what you're supposed to do. And you do what's right for the person right in front of you. There's no judgment here. There's no fear and there's no guilt. So whatever happens to that person who's in front of you, it's between your person and your provider. And those people have a choice that they have to make that nobody else has to make. Nobody else is responsible for what's happening in this room, but that person and their provider. And I hold that space so sacred. And it's an honor to be a midwife. It's an honor to be a nurse and to help people through the most difficult choices in their life. And we have to do it with kindness and with compassion. And um, the world we live in doesn't understand that. And the people making these laws are not doing it with kindness or compassion. And so we have to create that space. And it, and it happens in, in our rooms and in our, in our clinics and in the way that we practice. Um, and I wish that people in the community could have this space, that, they could, that we could create that space for them. Um, and that it doesn't, nobody should have any law or any right to tell providers what to say and how to treat our patients that are in this room and in this space. Thank you. And so thinking about bodily autonomy, what is some advice that you would offer for anyone who might be struggling with that when it comes to talking with their healthcare provider or even their partners during these times? Well, kind of like what I was saying before about choice, like definitely listen to your intuition for sure for whatever you feel, but um, being able to know all your options and yeah, making the informed decision. I think that has a lot to do with bodily autonomy because you don't know what you, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and so being able to exercise bodily autonomy in like an actual um, like free way, um, being able to know that, making the informed decisions, having all of the information available to you to make that decision. Um, but ultimately, yeah, listening to your intuition, never second guessing yourself, like just going with it whether you're at the doctor's office or if you're just at home and you're feeling weird or something and you want to like, you think that you don't need to go to the doctor or see somebody, um, you know, just listening to your intuition as much as possible and also filtering out all of the just misinformation, all of the, um, all of just the news right now, like all of the things that are telling you, um, this is right, that's wrong. Like filtering all that out um, and listening to yourself is what I would say about bodily autonomy. Um, I think on my end, it's mostly addressing fear and trauma or um, other personal experiences that people have. And once they can um, address that and overcome those things, it's a lot easier for them to articulate or to voice their needs and, um, and get in touch with their body um, and know and feel their body and kind of be at one, like mind and body. Um, that's kind of my role, I guess, with 
as regards to like bodily autonomy. And I will say the ripple effects are quite beautiful because then you just see these, then all of a sudden now they're teaching their children about boundaries or about like, this is my body and being able to say vagina or like um, things that they couldn't do and didn't know how to. It's very taboo in our culture. So we're Pacific Islanders and you don't talk about your body. You don't say what's going on, especially your mental health or how you're feeling or trust. Or if somebody offended you, you suck it up. You don't talk about it and you just, it's very hard to undo that. Having open discussions like this doesn't happen in, in my community. And it will, we're just starting to create spaces to have these discussions. And um, it definitely doesn't happen with partnerships either. You know, and that's something that we've learned from our parents and grandparents. You know, the divorce rate is so high right now. And you wonder why, you know, and the, you see where, where do all these things intertwine and come from and helping people to trust themselves, kind of like what Jade said and, and Debbie, and realizing that they know their body best. And it's okay to know your body and to, to, to find somebody who you can trust also. That's the other thing. Like, If you don't like what a, a provider is saying to you, if you don't like what your midwife is saying or your doctor, there's hundreds of other ones. Go find somebody else. And if there's something that you can't talk to your your um, partner about, especially your body, find help. Like, it's okay to ask. It's okay to, it's actually okay to ask your doctor about this. We were just talking about this earlier when, um, you know, interviewing some of the clients. They didn't even know that you can bring this up with your doctor. They're like, oh, my doctor helps me with food scarcity? My doctor helps me with mental health. You think that you just go to the doctor for your blood pressure or, you know, but healthcare providers want to know. We want to know where do you come from? What is the holistic part that creates you? Um, and as midwives, we, we want to know these things. And it doesn't happen right away. I don't know if you know this, but when, when you're pregnant, this is the first time in your adult life where you go to the doctor 15 times in, in nine months. Like you go every, um, every month for the first trimester and then second trimester is like every two weeks. And then towards the end, we see people every single week until they have their baby. When you see somebody 15 times and you are spending a whole hour with them and you're touching their most intimate part of their body and you're asking them about something growing inside of you, this is the first time in, in a person's life where they're actually paying attention to their body and they're actually paying attention to what's happening inside and somebody is moving and growing and they are depending on me to live and you know when I think about bodily autonomy it happens in pregnancy like I feel like that's the time where I really knew my body and had to like feel you feel things you've never felt before 
it was the first time in my life I felt rage (laughs) from the hormones. And it's just like, you learn it, you learn who you are and what your body's capable of in birth. And it's just this powerful thing. Um, And I think, you know, I'm just going back to this, how do I define bodily autonomy? And I think it's a process. And it's a process of trusting yourself, healing yourself, undoing so much of the things that you, that was ingrained inside of you and having this trust to be able to like come out the other side Um, and trusting other people to be there with you when you emerge on the other side. So you spoke a little bit about the amount of times that people will be seeing doctors and midwives and doulas during pregnancy and then after. So I'm curious because that is a really private time for a lot of people. So people might not know what they should be asking to get some more ideas for different choices and options they have. So I'm curious, does anyone have any feedback for us on like what questions should be asked of your healthcare providers during this time then this can be prenatal or during pregnancy or even postpartum what are some questions that people should be asking their healthcare providers i feel like you would have a good oh, <laughs> yeah. i have them ask a lot of questions yeah i do i have them ask um like well first identifying like what their choices are and what their options are and what's provided at like a midwifery clinic or um, or birth center versus at a hospital. Um, and also one of the things that I always say too is to tap into how you connect with your provider. Like if you feel like they're paying attention to you or um, or even sometimes asking them um, questions that you might have, like is something that you want to experience like culturally maybe in your birth, is that okay? And so I guess it really depends on each person and the most thing that I want to always touch on is do you like your, you're going to see them a lot. Um, do you like them? Do you think you can grow into a stronger relationship with them that they see you and that they see who you are in a loving way and that you can trust them and enjoy being in their presence? Um, because you can't really fake that when you're in labor. It's really raw and intense and real. And um, if you don't like your provider or if you're not trusting them or if they're not listening to you, it's going to be really difficult um, for your doula and everybody else to give you, create the best outcome, I guess, of your labor and birthing experience and also your prenatal experience as well. Here's just like a technical advice, but a lot of people are limited to who they can see based on their insurance and what their insurance covers. So... Go online, <laughs> open your portal. You can look at the back of your insurance card to see where does my insurance cover. And then from there, you can do research at home and just look, use your phone and check out the different practices in your area. See what they believe in. They, it's on their websites. Everybody has their values and their mission and where they deliver. And you can see right through the flowers and the pretty babies and see, okay, do they resonate with me? Is that the way I want to be? And there's a lot of people who definitely want the hospital. Like 98% of the people here want to deliver in a hospital. Okay, okay. Which hospital should I go to? 
how can I figure out which one's going to be safe? Which one is, which one has call schedules? Do I, is it important for me to know who's going to be at my birth? Very few doctors and very few midwives, honestly, uh, do not guarantee continuity of care. So it means when you come into their practice, you're on a call schedule. So you're going to see, yeah, you'll have one main doctor, but you're going to see about six or seven of them throughout your pregnancy. And you're going to see your favorite doctor on a Thursday from nine to nine, <laughs> you know, and you just hope you go into labor on Thursday from nine to nine. And that's how, that's how it works. And sometimes, you know, doctors are only on call four days a month. So the, the chance that you'll get your doctor at your birth is very slim. So you have to just be okay with that, you know, and that's, that's what people are living with. And this just blows my mind. They're okay with that. And something that we really want to have is a relationship and continuity of care. And so we've, it's been a struggle. And we're like, how can we guarantee or have a very good chance that you'll get to have your midwife at your birth? And so we've come up with a system and it's not perfect. Sometimes midwives are off call and our teammate will, will deliver, but our team is small. We have three to four midwives. So, but most likely you're going to get your midwife at your birth. And that's our goal. So, you know, how important is it for you to have your doctor or your midwife at that birth? Are you okay to let go of it and just some random person is going to be at your birth? It's just like some random nurse is going to be at your labor, you know, and you're assigned that nurse and you just love your nurse by the end of it. Shout out to all my nurse friends. But it's it's the luck of the draw. And then you're on call with like, is this a doctor who's really tired who just wants to do a C-section and get this over with and let's just get this baby out? You know, and that happens too. It's the luck of the draw. It's the luck of the hospital. It's the luck of the culture. So when you're looking at where are you going to deliver your baby, look at the culture of the organization that you're that you're looking at what is their culture do they all do they all go to golf tournaments like do they have things uh, it's for real it is still happening and it's just so you know you have to know is that a question you would ask yeah heck yeah i want to know like yeah, where's who's gonna be on call at my birth? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Like, or do you all go golfing every Friday? Like, you have to know. They will tell you. And and we're lucky in Seattle. You know, it rains a lot, and they don't golf as much. But like, it's for. I just came back from a conference, a nationwide conference, and we are so lucky to live in Washington State. We are so lucky to have a more progressive outlook on midwives and a progressive look on birth and on choice because I was in New Orleans and in the South, like, I can't even imagine what they're going through right now and their rights that are taken away. And it is so unfair. And I just sat there and I'm like, mm, midwives can carry medicine. <laughs> Midwives can do oxygen. Midwives have every medicine and every intervention that we can have um, at home is at our fingertips. And we are trained 
and we have licensure and we can, you know, we can take insurance. We're so lucky. And there's people that just are doing this out of survival. Um, so ask the questions, ask all the questions. And, and if they're not going to give you the answers, they're not the right people for you. So are there any like workshops or classes that people can come to drop in on or sign up for? And are there anything that's like coming up here in the spring? Yes, actually, uh, we have a childbirth education class every Tuesday from 6 to 7.30, and that is drop-in. Um, Arnidra Lloyd, uh, who is also a doula of ours, um, she's a childbirth educator, um, and that is drop-in. We do it in sessions every day or every uh, week. Um, there's a different lesson, um, whether it be talking about lactation or talking about how to breathe during labor, or there's just a bunch of different topics, um, and it's a real intimate um group so that's what we currently have going right now but and it's open to everyone. yeah it's open to everyone not just like people who are expecting and everything but all partners can come um anybody who's even thinking or postpartum some people people come to those lessons even after like they've had their baby um so yeah and even if you're not with rainier valley you can midwives you can still attend um another opportunity we have at our clinic is every wednesday at 3 p.m um, we have just an open house. So you can come and do um, a meet and greet. That's what it's called. We have a meet and greet so you and your partners can come through, meet the midwives, hear the story, hear what we have available. They'll learn about the birth bundle. If you qualify, how does this work? Uh, they'll learn about belly talk on Tuesdays. Um, this summer, we're going to have Hello Baby, which is a postpartum group that's going to start. Um, and then we're going to have a yoga class um, for the com a community yoga class for pregnant and non-pregnant people. Um, and then we're starting Tummy to Table, where we're going to talk about healthy foods that you can cook for your family and using fresh ingredients. And we've partnered with some local farmers to be able to give out free, free grocery bags of what we're cooking that day. Um, and we've partnered with local chefs to be able to prepare the food. And our, I would love to have a recipe book by the end of this. But um, it was funding that we've gotten through BSK, uh, the culturally relevant Grant, I can't remember the name, but um, it's it's there to help us um, really look at if we have other resources around us, will it improve our mental health? And so this is our behavioral health grant that if we believe if we're in community, then that helps us feel better. And so creating these spaces of like, hello, baby tummy to table. Um, we also want to start a um, preconception care to help people get pregnant. Um, it's very easy to, to do family planning and just put in an IUD or talk about um, different methods to prevent pregnancy, but a lot of people struggle on the other end when they're ready to get pregnant, especially um, when they're older and decide to get pregnant after their career, which is happening more and more often. Um, there's a lot of people choosing to be single and what that looks like and how to get pregnant um, in that way. So uh, 
we're going to offer two courses um, every six months on how to prepare yourself for pregnancy. Wonderful. It sounds like there's like a lot of fun stuff happening this summer. And I like this idea, too, that you're talking about, that it's not just for people who are currently pregnant, but for people who have kids or who are thinking about kids. So just to come in, learn more, see the community, gain that village. So that's amazing. Um, I want to open it up because I do have some people in the audience. Does anyone have any questions or anything else that we haven't covered or anything that I haven't thought of? Well, I'm getting a lot of comfort just knowing about the resources that are available. I'm definitely someone who, I'm one of four children. My mother had, she's very fortunate to have really easy births with all of us. And she talks about it in such a exciting and happy way. And I, I know it's a beautiful thing, but I am terrified. And so what would you, what would you say to me if I came in and I was like, I'm thinking about having kids, but I am so scared. The process is just... It is, I can't quite pit, like, I it's like, it's like getting a splinter, right? Sometimes as a kid, I'd be like, just leave it in, leave it in. I don't want to, I don't want to get it taken out. And I think that's my approach where I'm like, oh, it, I've, I've nannied and I love kids and I, and I see the work that has to go into parenting and the time and the dedication. But honestly, being pregnant is so terrifying to me. And I've had experiences where doctors have not listened to me. And I've had experiences where I don't quite know how to be a self-advocate. So what would you say if I came to you now with this? I would say get a doula, for sure. And get somebody who can help you navigate through all of those fears and like not even like identify them and isolate each one and to take a deep breath. Um, you're gonna be okay, you're doing great. <laughs> and also probably then, you'd probably wanna see somebody then who's like a, probably a midwife who could just give you a consultation, a longer consultation or go to a different provider who um, would specialize in like fertility or somebody who can give you the time to address all of these feelings that you're having and to help you articulate, just to help you identify exactly what is terrifying you. I'm not gonna lie, it is terrifying. <laughs> so <laughs> it really is. And that's why it takes 40 weeks for us to grow babies. <laughs> it takes that long. And what's so crazy is by the time you get to 38, 37, you're like, get this baby out. I'm ready. I am ready. But it really does. It takes us that long to like, okay, there's a baby inside. Okay. And you, it takes a while to even feel them move. Um, it takes about 16 weeks and it just feels like little bubbles. And you're like, you, I was clueless and I forgot I was pregnant and it was just, it's just gas. <laughs> yeah. And then it wasn't until like 30 weeks that I could feel like actually the poltergeist is growing and feeling and like, but it takes you that long to get used to it. And, and that's okay. And it's a process and it's a journey. And then you have a baby in your hand and they're even more terrifying on the outside than in the inside. <laughs> Thinking too, like, is really just slowing down for a second. That's what I said, take a deep breath, but also just maybe just like week by week or trying to, instead of trying to take it all in at once. Because um, even your question was really um, overwhelming and like super passionate, you know, like just a lot of feeling. And so it would just be like, take a deep breath and then go like just step by step and like week by week, month by month. And I think that's probably the best way to handle that kind of situation where you're excited and you want to be pregnant, but terrified because there's so much that goes into it. Awesome. Well, thank you for your question. 
Um, okay, so then, yeah, we'll just start to wrap up. I just want to give you all a chance to share anything else that you want to. Any final thoughts, any final words of wisdom, anything else that you're like, oh, wait, I want you really to know this about us as a group or us as an organization. Yeah, I have a couple of soapbox things. Um, uh, so I'm always, um, ever since I started working in midwifery care, um, I'm a huge advocate of it now um, because me, I've never been pregnant and I maybe might not be ever in my life, but I use midwifery care because it's literally the best care I've ever received. I have a nurse midwife, Aria, I love her, um, and better than any doctor I've ever had. She really works with me to try to figure out non, like just for mental health problems or anything. Um, you know, she really works to try to do it herbally and um, naturally and stuff like that. And so, I'm always just advocating for that, whether or not you want a baby, but um, you know, we have way more things that we can care for besides just pregnancy. And I think that's one thing that I also just wanted to touch upon in general. Um, you know, we, we take care of people until menopause, like until after menopause. So um, yeah, there's plenty of clients that we have that aren't pregnant, including myself. Um, so I always like to advocate for midwifery care, not just within pregnancy, but within all your medical needs. Um, and then um, another thing, just to close us off, um, we are running a campaign right now um, for Give Big Washington, um, and that ends tomorrow. And I'm sure I think Mirror Stage might be also running one because this is a national, or sorry, a statewide annual campaign of giving for Give Big. Um, so please, uh, if you are so inclined, um, please donate to um, our Washington Gives page. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, another, we'll, you'll see us out in the community. Um, this summer, we're gonna be at the Pride events, Juneteenth. Um, just, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we're, uh, we have lined up for this summer in our schedule. So you'll see us out there on our booths and all of that. So come say hi. Thank you, Jade. And thank you, Debbie, for being here. I work with the most amazing team. And I, you know, we all kind of gravitate together, this pool of people who just are fighters. You know, they're looking to be innovative and um, and we all work in so differently. And, and I think that's why it works well is because we're very different and um, we bring out different parts of our brain and our the way we want to create something and challenge a system and challenge each other and it's woman run and we are also there's many single moms and we're trying to figure out how can we undo a system that was not made for us when we're doing things that are made by women and and the work that we're doing um it's just so powerful and hard. And I just am grateful for the team that trusts each other to do this work because that allows other people to come in and trust us when they come in. And the families that come into care are looking for something better. And they've come from a place of a lot of harm and you have to come. Um, you have to come into a place that can hold that. And it took us a long time to build that, and it, a lot of iterations of this, and a lot of different challenges that 
you have to like grow through the ashes, you know, and you have to go through the fire to get there. Um, so today, Jade and I started our morning together <laughs> at the Speedy Mart. And so take a look at our Facebook. And I've just been, she and I have been just doing Facebook lives all day, telling our story of RVM and where we came from eight years ago and how we grew from a small Speedy Mart to two birth centers, one in South Seattle and one in, in Renton. Um, and I can see us expanding in other areas as the need grows and as our community demands better. And that's what we're here to do is, is fill the needs, fill the gaps. There's so many gaps in our healthcare system and how can we actually bridge that? And how can we work in partnership with with our hospital friends, with our OB friends, with our doula friends, and with the lactation folks, and so many partnerships that we have out here. You know, abundance breeds abundance. And the only way we can be abundant is if we work together and we collaborate and build strong partnerships. And it starts from within. You know, we have to build this from within ourselves, figure it out. It's messy, it's hard. Then we work with the community around us, with our patients, with our with their families, and then within the community. And and that's how you see and create change. And you know, we call this transformational change. And that's something that we are that's our business. That's what we're trying to do is transform and try to figure it out. And we don't always have the answers. And there's probably a better way. We're looking for it. There's probably money out there. We'll, we're looking for it. There's friends out there, and we're looking for them. You know, and it's something that we just have to keep going. Sometimes we want to give up, give up every day. <laughs> but we keep going because it is so beautiful. And days like today is just to be reflective and to be able to talk about this so so openly um, and the journey that we've come through has been really powerful so thank you thank you for listening to us thank you for letting me share my feelings and the growth that has happened over the last you know this last decade well thank you three too also for being here and being a part of this conversation and I always feel like I learned so much from you when I have an opportunity to like chat. Um, we had a podcast interview with Tara and Jade and so it was a great opportunity to like get and to know more and learn more about what's going on with all these healthcare things. So I appreciate you all coming out tonight. Um, thank you everyone at home who is watching. Please check out mirrorstage.org to learn more about our other community forums and about the Squirrel Place. This program is supported in part by a grant from the Washington State Arts Commission and the National Endowment of the Arts. We would like to acknowledge that we are on the traditional land of the first people of Seattle the Duwamish and Coast Salish people, past and present, and honor with gratitude the land itself and the Duwamish and Coast Salish tribes. If you like what you've heard and would like to support this podcast or other Mirror Stage programming, you can donate at our website, mirrorstage.org, or text Play It Smart to 206-888-6477.
Thank you, everyone, for listening. This podcast is available on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. So if you are finding us on any of those platforms, please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe if possible.